You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast. As tonight, we are talking about some exciting news for the Indiana women's basketball program, as the transfer portal has been very kind to the Indiana women's program. We picked up three recruits over the weekend that was announced by the IU women's basketball program and Coach Terry Moore. And we're going to highlight those individuals tonight as well is talking about a little a little bit of a preview of next season for the Hoosiers and the Big Ten. And also we'll highlight last night's WNBA draft that did have a Hoosier flavor to it. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos, and we'll be breaking it all down for you on tonight's edition of Doing the Work, the new show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. Let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And Kathy, for me, the banner moment came on Saturday morning when former Indiana Miss Basketball Sydney Parrish announced that she would be enrolling at Indiana to join the Indiana women's program. She'd announced earlier that she was leaving Oregon, where she had committed after her junior year of high school. And so for me, the banner moment is to have another opportunity to make inroads in the state of Indiana with a former Indiana Miss Basketball. Even though she's not coming around of high school, I just gonna I just believe that's gonna pay big dividends for this program as we go forward into the Terry Morin era and as this team moves forward and moving up into the national uh, talking points of uh, as they have the last couple of years. So my banner moment is Sydney Parrish announcement that was followed by Sunday with the announcement that uh, Sarah Scalia and Alyssa Geary were going to also be joining her as transfers into the IU program next year. Our banner moment today, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel. Their first season is the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. Did you know when you go to the IU collection, you'll find a t-shirt commemorating the 1983 season when Indiana women won the Big Ten and made its first NCAA tournament appearance? And if you support other college teams or have people in your life who do, Home Field Apparel has something for them too. Their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, HOME, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And as I said, tonight we have a special podcast as we look to three recent transfers, a sneak peek at next season, and again, a recap of the WNBA draft. So it's time to move the ball, find the open player, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And I'm going to throw it over to my co-host, Kathy Amos, for the Amos Angle. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, you know, your uh, your banner moment is there, there's a lot to pick from. If it's been a busy um, and it's not even been a whole week, right? I mean, that was just Saturday and today is only Wednesday. So it's been a busy few days for our, our women's basketball program. And it's all been very positive and exciting news. Um, yeah, in fact, I was uh, I was actually working out when the, the news broke for um for Sydney Parish committee. And I know we had privately talked about, you know, hoping that was the possibility. And so when I got done working out, I opened my phone and I had all these text messages and Twitter messages. And I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck happened? And I look and I'm like, oh, well, this is just exciting news. And it really kind of changed my trajectory for the rest of that morning as I started uh, talking with other folks about it. And, you know, and, and overall now we have these three great transfers coming in. And, you know, at the end of the last year, our, our, our question that we had, our lingering question, if you will, 
will, was who's going to replace our Ali Patberg, Nikki, um, uh, Nicole Cardona Hillary, and Alexa Goulbay? Well, it seems like uh, we weren't the only ones with that lingering question. It seems like Coach Morin has done a fantastic job going out and filling those in. And of course, you know, tonight we're going to concentrate on the transfers, but we also have some great players still coming back that we'll need to talk about later in the offseason. Mm -hmm. um, and as well as that, we have some good freshmen that we think project to, to look pretty well as well. Um, again, tonight just focusing on the transfers, but I think overall this makes us look really great in terms of depth as well, and not just replacing those three starters that um, we were losing last year, as well as um, Grace, Grace Wagner, who left us as well. So we lost four, four key players last year. Um, so this year's team now, the trajectory from what we were thinking maybe even a week ago on Wednesday last week to what we're saying now today on, and today is not Wednesday. Today's Tuesday. Um, today is Tuesday. I've been doing that all day. <laughs> so um, what we're saying today on Tuesday, um, is completely, completely a 180 degree turn for us and all in a positive direction. So very excited to, to talk to you tonight about our three um, incoming ladies. Yeah, and I think one thing we need to point out here, uh, you and Ari were texting a little bit. I think Ari's pointed this out on Twitter. There are different rules for the women's program as opposed to the men's program. I saw some things on Twitter and things like worrying kind of about scholarship numbers. The women's basketball teams around the country, because of Title IX rules and with football being calculated in, they get 15 scholarships while the men only get 13. So there are no, you know, no worries about oversigns or anything right that over with that right now. So for those who are the workaholics there in the chat and glad you guys are all here. And, and for anybody who's been, who's listening to us after the live show, the, the women actually have more slots available than the men do. So they're not in any danger with anything like that. So uh, as we continue the during the doing the work podcast, we're going to take a look at our newest Hoosiers to coach Terry Moran's program. I'm Jeff Marlowe here with my co-host, Kathy Amos. And you know what, Kathy, I'm going to let you go first. And let's go with the first person we had that announced over the weekend. That was Sydney Parrish. Yeah, um, I'll just maybe have, highlight a little bit about her background first um, before we talk about maybe what she did at Oregon. I don't want to take everything all at once. So I'll talk a little bit about where she came from. So um, Sydney Parrish is from uh, Hamilton Southeastern High School, which is in Fishers, Indiana. She was actually a Miss Basketball there. Um, this makes our fifth Miss Basketball to come to Indiana in our program history. That follows um, Lori Minderning in 87, Marla in in 92. Allie Papberg, of course, um, was Miss Papper or Miss Indiana in 2015, then Jory Allen in 2019. Um, in terms of ranking coming out of high school, she was the, I believe, the 30th ranked recruit in her class overall, um, it, depending on uh, what you look at. But this was the consensus top 30 ranking from Blue Star, Prospect Nation, and ASGR. And this makes her the, the highest recruit ever into our, our women's program, uh, according to ESPN. So um, that just passed Allie Papper when, when she joined us. So from a you know, very highly touted recruit, and of course she had committed to Oregon, she spent two years there, and I'm sure we'll get into a little more in depth about her Oregon um, um, excuse me, Oregon history, but yeah, so she, she had a very successful high school career as well. And we can absolutely get into the, some of the high school. I got some of the high school information here too, if you want to get into any of that before we jump into Oregon. So lots to talk about with her, um, for sure. I think she's well, a great addition. 
it helps that she's got some Indiana roots probably for us to be able to talk about. And, and Cindy was a kid that we saw that I was aware of when I was coaching and, so, and kind of coming up through the ranks. She burst onto the scene really her sophomore year at Hamilton Southeastern. Um, and that was when they really kind of made a, a real big jump, of course, in a 4A sectional with the other Hamilton County schools. So a tough sectional there. But um, and then the question became, where was she going to go? She was the number eight ranked recruit in the country, according to ESPN. Um, and, and she was just kind of that classic Indiana kid. She just did a lot of things well that really made schools want to have her. And I'm thinking she turned, I don't want to say turned down, but she had offers from major programs like IU, Notre Dame, um, um, UConn, I think was even in the mix there. Um, and, and then of course there was a big battle, uh, that year, but for the Miss Basketball crown, because you had Sydney Parrish, who had led Hamilton Southeastern to the 4A state title as a junior. And then you also just really up the road at Northwestern, you had um, Madison Layden, who eventually committed to Purdue as well. And Northwestern was on a run of two, maybe three state titles in a row as well. So there was a real battle there about who was going to be named Miss Basketball, and Parrish was named. As you point out, she was also I think you know, she was also the Gatorade Player of the Year in Indiana that year um, for um, it, for 2019. Then she signed with Oregon, and we're going to get into Oregon. I'll throw it back to you a little bit. But when she signed with Oregon, she was one of five five star recruits at Oregon. So and and to give a little bit of background into that. That was Oregon kind of really starting to make it big in the women's program. Sabrina Ionescu had burst onto the scene. She had become the best player in the women's game at the college level. And, and, and obviously in the WNBA now, she's having a very productive career. But, but Oregon was really building something. And in fact, I think that 2019 season, when Sydney ended up committing to Oregon, uh, uh, yeah, Oregon beat us, Indiana, in the first round or the, the second round of the NCAA tournament out in uh, Eugene. And so there was a lot of things that were attracting those kids to Oregon. And I think Sydney saw that possibility of playing with a Sabrina Ionescu as obviously a big drawing card. But yeah, so she goes out to Oregon. Kathy, I'll kind of turn it over to you and let you get first crack at her Oregon career. Sure. Yeah. So um, she's played two seasons um, at Oregon. So um her freshman year, I'll just start there and we can talk about that in total. Um, but she, yeah, she, as you mentioned, she was one of five five-star freshmen that came into the Ducks in that recruiting class. She did play 23 games and started two of them. She ended up getting um, a, a Pac-12 freshman player of the week in December. Um, that year, she averaged six points. Um, she did have five double-figure scoring performances um, and then averaged around three rebounds a game. Um, from a shooting percentage-wise uh, that year, she shot got um right around 33% on three pointers. So an 89% from the line. So she's definitely a, a very good shooter. And I think is going to be a good addition. Um, then moving on to kind of her sophomore year, uh, there she really started to, to play a lot more. She started all 32 games that year um, and averaged now 24 minutes a game. Um, there she averaged eight and a half points a game and uh, and shot 35% from three. So, uh, you know, increased her stat year from year one to year two, for sure, from a three-point shooting perspective and from an overall playing time in, in, um, and, uh, and scoring perspective. So... Um, yeah, in total, so she ended up scoring, um, playing in 55 games for Oregon and started 34 of them. 
and with that kind of a recruiting class, I that says I think volumes to to increase like that. Well, and her like we said, her freshman year, Ionescu was still there, so that was going to take playing time away from a kid like Parrish, who might have been able to come in and play right away someplace else. But and then that ends up being the season that gets canceled, or not the season, but the NCAA tournament gets canceled due to COVID. Um, and with that, um, and, and that was kind of an emotional freshman year, maybe not for Sydney. But if you recall, Kathy, INSQ had become very close with Kobe Bryant and about a month, maybe six weeks before the COVID shutdown, COVID had or Kobe had his untimely death. Um, INSQ and the Oregon team really kind of or the team really kind of bonded around INSQ there. She was one of the speakers at Kobe's funeral. So I'm sure you had all that going on, kind of that emotional part of it with with INSQ and the team with Kobe. And then the season gets shut down on. At, at the end right there getting ready for the tournament the thing i want to kind of point out about sydney too though is i was looking at the stats and more than just the overall numbers kathy yeah. she shot last year and i'm just trying to do my math here in my head she shot five threes a game all right so if you put that out over 32 games that she played that's 163s that she shot that would have been number one on our team last year. Nobody, you know, and, I, and I'm not trying to get too far ahead, but I think Nikki shot like 115, 125. That led IU. And, and Sydney, like I said, 163s just, in, in, you know, on her own. So she's a kid that, at least at Oregon, kind of seemed to fall into that role of kind of a three-point shooter. Because if you look at she averaged about eight shots a game, five of them were coming from beyond the arc. The one thing that is concerning a little bit is her overall field goal percentage has been down. Um, she's under 40% mm -hmm. overall percentage wise. So that makes me, uh, and again, did get a, ton, a chance to watch a ton of Oregon's past season. I watched a little bit more of them when I had the opportunity coming off the, during the 2021, or excuse me, the 1920 season, um, or no, the 2021 <laughs> season, sorry. Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm on Wednesday and you're in 1920s, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, 1920. Uh, maybe maybe if she wasn't there, with I might be wrong there now. I think about it. Um, yeah. But but anyway, my point is, she she's really kind of seemed like struggling shooting the ball out there. But as far as shooting the three and shooting a pretty good percentage, it would be better than almost anybody on. It was better. It would have been number one in terms of attempts and number one in terms of percentage. Right. Yeah. And the thing that I liked, I'm looking again just at her stat line here, is that from her freshman year to her sophomore, she increased both her two point and her three point percentage. Um, so, you know, if you, if you continue that trajectory, then it's great. I mean, from a field uh, overall field goal percentage, she shot 38% um, her second year, her sophomore season. Um, the other thing, when I watched some, a couple, a few that I could find of her on YouTube of some videos of her games this year, especially. Um, one of the things I was hoping to see, which you don't get a whole lot of in these highlights because they're always offensive oriented, but we know so much that our calling card was hung on defense last year. And they actually highlighted some of her defensive performance on some of the clips I found, which to me, um, if you can actually, I don't know, maybe this is my own, um, misconception of, of finding you know highlights of players but if you could actually find defensive clips of players to me that probably indicates that she is going to be probably pretty good on the defensive end as well um and the other thing i liked watching about sydney is that she wasn't strictly just a three-point or an outside shooter i saw her definitely i even watched some clips from high school mm -hmm. um 
she was definitely one that could cut and she could pass as well. So, um, you know, she she averaged about an assist a game um, over her career, again, increasing that stat her second year. So, you know, not that I think she's going to come in and play point guard per se for us. I don't think that's necessarily going to be her role. Um, but she definitely looked like she knew how to pass the ball and had some really nice looking passes, too. But that was a little bit of what I, I was also want to bring up too, Kathy. You really you took me into where I wanted to go. Is she is multifaceted. She is a kid that um, at least in the high school when we saw her play could handle the ball at times. She wasn't a true point guard, but she was a kid that could initiate offense. She got the ball where it was supposed to go. Um, she had that ability to make something happen either for herself or for a teammate. And the other thing is I, what I remember of her in high school. And again, I think maybe foot speed will be a, has been a little bit of an issue for her at this level, but I think she has a fairly high, a really high I, I basketball IQ. Yeah. So I think she's over, able to overcome some of that. So she's kind of that kind of what we used to call a classic three and D shoot the three, play D, be able to defend multiple spots. And I think that's one thing, again, I'm not trying to take away from our next segment we're going to talk about next season's yeah. team, um, <laughs> but I think it really does open possibilities for how you match up with some, with some teams next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and just as like kind of a, a bigger picture thing as well, I know some of, I don't have a whole lot of complaints about Coach Morin's recruiting at all, right? Um, but one of the things I've heard from other fans is that she doesn't recruit the state of Indiana, right? If you look at most of the, the people that we have on our, our roster um, in her tenure, they haven't necessarily been from Indiana. What I like as well, first we've had Allie now who was Indiana Miss Basketball had, you know, she played for Notre Dame originally, but then transferred in. And now you have um, Sydney Parrish, same thing, played for another college and transferring back in. Uh, you, it makes you start to think about even longer term for the team and mm -hmm. what that might mean in terms of if, you know, we have another projected missed basketball within the state of Indiana, if that's something maybe Coach Morin can start to make roads in. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I might be reaching on this, but it, it does at least, you know, fill a little bit of the gap for some of the fans that, that that's important mm -hmm. to. Um, to me, I, I, I'm not quite as... Um, hung up on that personally. I just want a team that gels together and can win. Um, if they're from Indiana, all the better, but I don't think that to me is a, a big thing, but I know for other fans it is. And so this also helps fulfill, fill that kind of check the box for, for them. Yeah. And I think it's something you often hear on the guy side as well. They want the Indiana kids. They want the Indiana kids. I'm like you, I, I, I want to get some Indiana kids, but I also more than anything, I want kids who want to wear an Indiana uniform. Yeah. And in this case now, Sydney's coming back. She wants to wear the uniform. So I'm all for that. Yep. Um, I think one of the things, and again, I'm speculating here, just based on being here, having been in the coaching circles for a long time, I think there was some real hesitancy on those 18, 19, 20 classes that IU could sustain what they had done with Amanda Cahill and, and Tyra Buss and, and that group. Um, Coach Morin was still relatively new, even though Grace Berger was a highly sought after recruit, she was not a big time name among a lot of people that obviously we, we got a steal with Grace Berger and some of those. So I think coach Morin was looking for some of those diamond and the rough type yeah. kids that she could, you know, could kind of find, take a little bit of the edge off of them and, and refine them into being really solid players in her system. But if we'd been paying attention, I know you were, but like a Jalen Penn, who unfortunately eventually transferred yep. out of the program, but a Jalen Penn was a top notch recruit, only she was out of Kentucky. And so, you know, it didn't have that same feel. I think now you get the vibe about the program. And I, this is where I'll be interested to see how it goes through the next two, three recruiting cycles is 
that it's a program that looks like it's here to stay. It, it's not kind of a flash in the pan that I think people were worried that the Tyra Bus Group and Amanda Cahill was going to be. They right. was they was going to be, um, you know, they were going to be um, kids that there's kids now that'll look at IU as that type of destination. The way they used to look at Purdue, the way they used to look at Notre Dame. And Ari, yes, I know that Grace was a five star recruit, but they were. But women's recruiting is not known across the state and across the country the way men's recruiting is and, and so if you weren't from indiana a lot of the average indiana fans didn't know they were top level recruits and that's all i'm trying to say yes grace Berger, i'll take any day of the week and in, in, in a recruiting battle but i'm just saying that people see the the indiana kids going like we have a couple kids this year who have already committed either this year or next year coming in out of the senior classes for these next couple of years they've already committed to uconn Again, when UConn, when UConn comes calling, it's kind of like Duke, you know, right. it, it's going to get them. Um, <laughs> but you've got a girl, the Reynolds girl up at South Bend, Washington, that committed to Maryland um, and such. So there, there's kids like that that have gone other places that have made IU fans be like, why can't we keep those kids in state? I think now you will start to see that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think this bodes well too, right? And it also, you know, it, uh, there are questions, lingering questions that we might have had is with the new transfer portal, you know, and how how that is, and how is Coach Morin going to be able to recruit that? Well, I think she's at least at least this year she's shown us she's she's she and her coaching staff are going to do just fine with it. Yes, I agree. So I'll throw it to you here. Let's talk about kind of the maybe the surprise of the group and that yeah. was Sarah Scalia from Minnesota deciding to she put her name into the transport portal hadn't had as far as we were concerned really was not I didn't see that on the radar at all so here comes Sarah Scalia they announced that I believe on Sunday that Scalia was going to be transferring in so I'll kind of give you the first opportunity to talk about Scalia yeah, absolutely. So um, again, I'll start with just giving some background for maybe folks that um, don't know Sarah um, Scalia, but Sarah um, comes to us by way of Minnesota, um, uh, the University of Minnesota, where she's played for three years. In those three years, she has played 80 games and started 78 of those games. So um, Sarah came from Stillwater, Minnesota originally. So that's where she was high school. She was considered a three-star recruit. She was the number 56 guard in the country according to ESPN and 65th overall. Um, all kinds of accolades. She was two-time All-State selection, four-time All-Conference um, honoree, um, led her team to back-to-back -to -back state tournament um, state tournament appearances when she was a senior. She averaged 27 points in um, her, her high school career. Um, at Minnesota, and I, this is, I'll just stop here and let, let this sink in for everyone, and then I'll kick it to you, Jeff, and you can talk as much as you want about her stats, but um, Scalia can light it up. She, um, in three years, shot 38% from three, which included 41% from three-point last year, um, and I watched some of her highlights, including um, some of the game against us. She has range, too. It's not like she has to be a set-and-shoot um, player. They saw her coming off of the pass off of fast breaks. She was shooting from the Minnesota logo. If you have seen games in Minnesota, um, it, it was impressive. So if you have not seen Sarah shooting, um, go out to YouTube and just Google her and look at look at her shot because it, it is a thing of beauty for sure. Or go back and watch the IU game with Minnesota this year from Assembly Hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a kid that, you know, I almost took them over uh, over us 
in that game at Assembly Hall. And, and, you, and you mentioned you mentioned Kathy talking about the uh, the shooting. And I was looking at the stats from her sophomore year. She only played 16 games. So I don't know. I didn't do enough dig here, but I would assume there must have been an injury there. Yeah, because she only played about half the games that year. So I would assume there was an injury either early in the season or late in the season. I didn't really look at. But if you kind of look at her numbers, her freshman year numbers were a little bit better than her sophomore year numbers. So that makes me wonder about, you know, a lot of that injury. But like you said, bounced back big time this past year, which was her junior year. And I and I don't know if you mentioned I was I was trying to listen. My puppy's been barking out, out in the hall and, and stuff. So so if anybody hears a dog barking, that's my puppy again. Um, yeah. But anyway, she um, she she shot 16 shots a game. I mean, that, you know, she was she's a volume type shooter. And again, a little bit under 40 percent for the season this year. But, you know, she just she like you said, she can fill it up. And, and somebody pointed out on Twitter or maybe even in the chat earlier with the workaholics, her range rivals or maybe better than Caitlin Clark's. Absolutely. And yeah. Uh, let me interject real quick. Tony had put a, a stat in here that um, she actually hit 20 more threes but she took five fewer shots than Caitlin Clark. Yeah. 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 And I, somebody had posted it on Twitter too. So thank you, Tony. And, and, and I did the math real quick. She shot eight threes a game. So you do the math. Yeah. She shot 200 and so I, I, I'm going a little bit of off math here, but roughly 264 threes last year. That's yeah. a, I just can't fathom that number watching our team who did not shoot very many threes. She's probably, I mean, she would have had 264. I know I got the stats here real quick. I'll look it up. 264. We shot 485 as a team, you yeah. know, 485 as a team. So she was past halfway for what our numbers were. So I think you can see, not only did you talk about recruiting earlier with Sydney Parrish and we talked about that, but I think you also see that coach Morin understands that for yeah. this team to maybe get to the next level, to make that step to a final four, you got to spread the ball out a little bit more and, and give Mac and Grace more room because we just didn't have that the last couple of years. No, we didn't. I mean, Chloe, Chloe was coming on for us at the end of the year with our three point shooter shooting, but nothing that I think we could say we had a, a real three point shooting threat. No, you know, we didn't have a real consistent shooter like, um, what, what Sarah is projecting to be for us, which she's already proven that she can do in yeah. big 10 play and, and, and in the NCAA. So, um, yeah, I'm just so I'm really excited about her as well. And as you mentioned, she was she was the surprise. I had, you know, no no idea that she was on the radar, at least with Sydney. We knew she was, you know, it was a big announcement when she was announcing she was transferring. And then um, I hadn't heard anything about Sarah. So, yeah, so she's uh, about 5'10". But so now she's got two years of eligibility should she want it. So right. she's got three years that she's played and she's got that COVID year as well should she want it. So, um in addition, she she averaged around two assists a game last year as well, too. So again, you know, knows how to shoot it. And and she I saw a couple of clips where she was driving the ball pretty well as um, well. Not not quite as um, I would say mobile as what I saw with Sydney, um, but definitely had some good moves. And again, like good basketball IQ. But I, I really think she's probably being brought in most likely, obviously. If you're a 41% three-point shooter, you brought it in for your shooting. And I want to thank Ari for pointing out in the workaholic chat that she was playing through a separated shoulder, he says, her okay, sophomore year. So that would explain some of the numbers being down and why she didn't play some games. I mean, a separated shoulder can be a painful, painful injury to begin with and then try to play either through it or coming back off of it, I'm sure, affected her shot a little bit. Anything you want to add about Sarah? 
No, no, I think you really just, again, I would encourage folks to just go out there and to YouTube and, you know, just look at some highlights from her shooting the ball. And I think um, hopefully you'll be just as excited about her as, <laughs> as I am as well. So I think she's a great addition. It, it definitely fills a gap that we have, like you mentioned last year. Um, there was a number of times on our post-game show where we were talking about just consistency in shooting. I think this is a huge gap that um, she should be able to help fill. And not only that, you mentioned it, it was like, for example, was, uh, when we were talking about Sydney and, and, and kind of high, you know, hinting around the next year that again, it just provides depth. It, it gives you another player that you can kind of plug into spots. She not only can be a spot up three point shooter, she's, she's got a little bit of moxie to her. She was, she, she averaged 18 points a game, 17.9 to be exact. So that's, um, that's one that, you know, again, that's a kid that again, takes some of the pressure off of a if she performs to that level, takes some of the pressure off of Mackenzie Holmes and a Grace Berger, yep. and 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 makes it harder to guard. And then you throw a Sydney Parish into that as a as somebody who at least at the high school level showed she could score. You now have maybe I'm not sure we've had four kids in the past who could put up those kinds of numbers together on the same kind of night this offense could really be something i'll save some of that for segment two so i'll throw it to you let's talk about the one that we probably don't know as much about yep. a young woman from uh providence coming in Alyssa gary yeah so Alyssa actually announced her transfer back in march that was during the tournament so um this is one we a gal we've actually known about here for a little while so uh, yeah, Alyssa comes to us by way of Providence. She went to um, Trinity High School um, and to Nazareth Academy. I, I couldn't quite find exactly where that's at. So Elmhurst, uh, Elmhurst, Illinois. Illinois, thank you. Okay, so yeah, so oh, there it is. Yeah, she was not a ranked recruit coming out of high school. Um, she did play um, in 118 games in her four four years at Providence, and she started 63 of them. And it is again, you know, it's a trajectory that you kind of like to see. She started out, you know, around three points a game, um, increased to a high of 11 points per game her junior and held that around just at 10 her senior year. Um, what what I like about her is she brings some height to our team. So she's six foot four inches, um, six foot, yeah, six foot four inches tall. And um, this will be her last year of eligibility. But again, she projects to kind of maybe fulfill some of that slot where Alexa Golbe has kind of left um, vacant for us. So I think she's definitely going to be able to play a little bit more down low and help McKinsey down, down there a little bit. Um, but I like the way she, when I saw some of her, her Providence highlights, which again, it was kind of hard to find some of them. Um, she looks like she was very comfortable um, as well, shooting, you know, a little bit from outside and not strictly an under the basket kind of player, but she looked like she could really um, rebound as well. Well, and that really does help you fill that Alexa Gerbe role, because that, that was kind of Lex's role. Could step out on the floor, on the floor, hit the three, especially when she was on the floor at the same time as Mac or as um, uh, uh, Brown. But when she had to go down, when they were off the floor, Lex had to go down to the post. And I think you'll see the same thing out of out of Gary. I really think that's the role she's been brought in to fulfill. And so uh, I'm not as, you know, again, her numbers weren't gaudy at Providence, but she yeah. was a solid player on a, on a big East team, a, a high major team. So I'm just really looking forward to seeing what she can bring. She didn't shoot a lot of threes. She shot about two and a half threes per game and her percentage was really down. So I'm not sure we'll see quite the same type of Alexa Golbe rate of threes, 
but I think maybe more makes me wonder if she's more of a 15 foot type kid. And I yeah. know a lot of, I know a lot of people say that's the worst shot in basketball. Now I really think that I the mid range game and the women's game is still a vital thing. So if you I can take a kid like that and just again, space away from Mac in the post. And of course, Mac showed last year that she's been working on her, three-point game. So I, I just really think that this is a great pickup. She gives you a chance to to fill in. Um, I want to say they got caught by surprise, but obviously Lex not taking her COVID year yeah. uh, uh, was a big thing because I, you know, obviously we all would have liked to see Lex come back and have another year. But um, so I think they went out and found a pretty good, at least on paper replacement. Yeah. And, and you know, if you ignore the three-point shooting percentage, her field goal percentage overall is right at 40% in her right. 40 years. So, so she clearly is not a, a distance shooter, which is fine. Again, we just talked about um, Sydney Parrish and, and um, Sarah um, Scalia coming in. Um, we don't necessarily need that. I mean, we we have other, we have Chloe still on, on the bench and, you know, who don't know what our freshmen are going to do. And, you know, Caitlin Peterson could also take a jump for us there as well. That's not the role I think that she was is coming in here to play. Um, the other thing I like to see in her highlights is that she can actually block. And I know if you look at her block average, it's only around one block per game. Um, but she looked to have a good defensive position and was able to block a few um, nice looking shots down low. And so that that was, again, something back to what I was talking about with Sydney. If you're getting some of your defensive highlights onto your highlight reel, to me that that at least indicates there's some at least good potential for some defensive performances there from her. Yeah, and there were games this past year. I was going the one stat I was going to point out here actually goes for all three of them, Kathy. That there were a couple of games this year where we talked after the game about free throw shooting woes. Yes. And and Parrish and Scalia and Gary all shot over at or well above 80% last year from the free throw line. Now, hopefully I'm not going to jinx this. Gary had a really rough year, her sophomore year. She yeah. only shot 48% from the free throw line. Um, I can't explain that other than just probably got to be almost a in your head type thing, but she shot 75% as a freshman. She shot 78% as a junior. She shot 82% last year. So I think this is a kid that I, I'm not too worried about that. But it, but if you look at Scalia, I, I was doing the you know looking at her stats real quick on Scalia. I should say I keep trying to say it's, it's got Scott. We believe it's Scalia. Uh, she, she's a career. Scalia is a career eighty nine percent free throw shooter. She shot ninety two percent last year, and Parrish is a 81%. career eighty one percent. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I was looking at that well as well. So that was exactly where I was going to go next. So perfect. Um, it's like we've been doing this kind of thing together for a year. It's good. Yeah, yeah so, I, I, or we feel like we've been doing it for 10 years, but it's only been a less than a year. So so anything else you want to add about those three? Um, overall, no. I, I think, again, I think they each fill something a little different for us as a team. And that's exactly what we needed. We had three very different players that left us. Um, the biggest question, and again, it's, you know, I'm trying to glean things from, uh, for me, uh, the biggest there's two questions for me. One, how will they fit in defensively? Again, that's just been such a calling card for Coach Morin, especially, and we lost you know, Nikki last year was, you know, on the big 10 defensive team, all defensive team. We were losing a really good defensive player. I'm not sure that any of these three might fit into that, but it's so hard to know not having watched them. My other big question is yes, on paper, they look like they're going to fill in really nicely into, you know, helping fill those three roles. There was a lot of team chemistry though, that we lost, you know, Allie Papper was a great leader and, you know, you can't, 
you can't replace that on paper. So how will the team chemistry come together during the off season leading up to our season starting in November? So those are going to be my, kind of my lingering questions for our three new transfers coming in. Are the defensive, how they're going to fit in and just overall team chemistry or one of them going to help fill that leadership or is it really going to come from somebody more seasoned, probably like Grace Berger, who's already been there and most likely will step up. But just how are they going to gel with the team? Yeah, and the one thing I'll say here, and I don't know that this is going to play out this way, I still believe defense will be Coach Morin's calling card. Yeah. But I wonder if, to a certain degree, this team, for as good as it played and for the heights it got to, um, there were nights where it just you grinded out games. You know, how many? a lot of games, I mean, you go back even to the second-round game with Princeton. That game was a grind all the way to yeah. the end. And there were a lot – that was kind of – our calling card. We were going to grind you. We we're going to find a way to win those games at the end of games. We did it to North Carolina State last year in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I wonder if you don't sacrifice just a little bit of defense to get a little more offense. And in this case, a Scalia, uh, a possibly a Parrish, who might not be Nikki on the defensive end, might not be Allie on the defensive end, but are going to make up for it with some consistent right. scoring. And so instead of winning games 65 58, now you're winning 75, 77 to 65. You know, you're, right. you're, you're, you're just making a little bit more comfortable. But I don't think she'll get away from that, that defense, yeah. you know, mantra. I think those kids are going to have to understand the system. I also think the one thing you may see uh, with that, again, okay, and you know what, before we go, before I say that, you know, uh, I just want to remind people that uh, you're listening to the Doing the Work podcast and as we talk right now, we're going to go ahead and go into Inside Next Season's team. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos. And I will just complete my thought about that. I think, will we see more switching? Rather than fighting through some of the screens because we didn't always have great matchups with a Sydney Parrish, with a Sarah Scalia, with a Grace Berger, all and a Geary, who all kind of have same size, Will they switch more one through three, one through four? Kind of what you saw Maryland do a lot of. It makes me wonder if that part of the defensive philosophy may change. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that, especially, again, losing Nikki and, and Allie, for that matter. I know, you know, we always talk about Nikki's defense, but there were definitely games where Allie's defense, they put her on some of the best players on the other team. Mm -hmm. um, so we lost not really just Nikki, but Allie as well in terms of defense. So I, I can see that, yes, it's still going to be a calling card. So it's still going to be something that they focus on. But I can see that maybe you have to do your scheme in um, – and start switching a little more like you were saying for sure. And, and the other part about that, that I'll say is it may not quite happen next year, but I can see Chloe becoming that type of defender yeah. to, to sure. kind of take that because of her length, her athleticism, you know, and I think she has good instincts. So I could really see her developing. I don't know if it'll happen next year, but I can see by the time Chloe's done being that kind of all big 10 defender as she really wants to be yeah. one. Yeah, I could see that too. And I thought, you know, especially in that, you know, in the tournament and in the Big Ten run as well, I saw we started seeing some glimpses of, of Chloe out there, you know, kind of being a little bit of a, just a little bit of a gnat like Nikki maybe was starting to get into her. And so that, that makes me excited as well. So Kathy, I'm going to throw it to you first. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you're coach Terry Morin and you had to go into battle tomorrow with the group that you know you have right now, who's your five starters? My five starters. Yep. So um, 
the two easiest ones obviously are, are McKinsey Holmes and Graceberger. They're your, your, your rock, your anchors coming back from last year. You, there's no way that you would ever think about sitting them. You wouldn't have last year and you certainly won't do that next year. Um, again, not having, you know, dove a whole lot into our incoming freshmen. I'm just going to assume as freshmen, they're probably not going to be starting for us. Um, so that leaves our transfers and you compare that to, um, people on the bench. Um, most likely the, the bench players from this year would have been Chloe Moore McNeil, maybe Caitlin Peterson and um, Keander Brown that might have projected in one of those, those three slots that were vacated. I think that these three players coming in actually project to take those three tar starter spots. So um, I would personally put in McKenzie Holmes, Braceberger, and then our three starters because it gives you a nice rounded out. Um, lineup it gives you some shooters it gives you some height um and hopefully um we'll have some defense out of them as well yeah i i'm thinking i'm going to go just a little bit different i think it may change game to game i think you obviously have mac you have grace um i'll go with sydney parish and i'll go with sarah scalia but i would not be i i think chloe moore mcneil will get starts now whether yeah. she starts yeah. the bulk of the games over an Alyssa geary and mainly because geary only has the one year left and and whereas Chloe still has a couple years down the line, you're going to lose Grace Berger after this year. No matter what happens, Grace is out of eligibility at the end of this year. You're going to look Gary's out of eligibility at the end of this year. Then right. you're going to have then Scalia will have to make some decisions about whether she wants to come back for another year or not. Mackenzie Holmes, even though she said she wants to play in Indiana uniform for as long as she can, she's right. going to have to make a decision at the end of this next year. So I think you've got to find a way to get Chloe Moore McNeil in the lineup. And so that may be where Alyssa Geary becomes kind of that sixth man role and maybe more of a, a backup for Mac, or maybe she becomes kind of a floater who can come in and play a spot, you know, in a couple of different spots. And then you throw in a Keondra Brown, a Caitlin Peterson, and somebody mentioned in the chat earlier with the workaholics, I think that Caitlin Peterson's one that if she can make a big leap this summer is going yeah. to get a lot more playing time than she did this year. And that's without knowing much about the three incoming freshmen. So who we're going to talk about later, probably in the summer. So I think you're going to see so much more depth on this team. And to me, I know I put it to you as the five stars, but I want to kind of throw it back yeah. to you. Yeah. Don't you think just the depth on this upcoming team at least on paper the depth is definitely going to be is going to be one of the strengths of this team absolutely and to your point if you're you're comparing um Alyssa Geary compared to Chloe Moore McNeil from what again I, I saw a lot of Chloe obviously watching all of their games last year I haven't seen a whole lot of Alyssa Alyssa Geary to me is more of a down low more like Alexa Golbe and they don't go in and out however what we did see from coach Morin last year she was very much matchup dependent and yes. there were there were times if they're the other team were playing four guards then she would have a much smaller lineup in there um and i could see maybe not starting per se but maybe that's where you would start chloe moore mcneil because you want to have that smaller lineup to match up with the other team um so i, I don't think that it i think that i think that chloe for sure if she doesn't start her minutes are most likely going to go way up i i'm i'm really high on chloe and i think there's going to be some big expectations from her for next year um and then it gets a little tricky with candor brown um i think um having her coming in and helping with mckenzie i i don't see her and mckenzie playing side by side a whole lot um i don't remember seeing that much this past season um 
maybe we did we i don't know that we ever did i don't remember it just seems like it would be strange to have them playing together so then you, you know again counters back to being more of our, um, our back backup center coming in for mckenzie so i still think that they're going to get a lot of run the wild card for me like you mentioned again we'll talk more about this when we do more of an in-depth analysis of the whole team is caitlin peterson because you know she she showed some glimpses last year where i think she could really have a good motor for us um she just maybe was a little too fast and the game was too fast for her and she would foul when she didn't need to and she was a little handsy on defense instead of using her using her feet so um so you know and at the end of the day I'm one of those who's kind of and mostly in the camp. I don't really care who starts. I care who finishes the game. So um, I, 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 but it's, it's always important. And, and especially for the women's game, be, because we don't play, typically we haven't played real deep. So we'll see if that changes. this. Well, year. That, that's one of the things I, I was going to bring up and I'll throw it back to you. We talk about being deep. We talk about six, seven kids that we know can play. We we got the five, you know, the, five or six kids that we think can start that we've already mentioned. You throw in a Caitlin Pearson, who you hope makes it. Keandra Brown showed she can get some solid minutes. You assume the freshmen are going to want, they're coming in with the idea that they are going to get some playing time. The question now is coach Morin has not shown a, 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 a history of going deep into the bench of nine, 10, 11 kids uh, a lot. So will we use those kids? And and then that becomes an issue of, you know, you're trying, and I know you don't like to use the word happy, but to a certain degree, you got to yeah. try to keep nine or 10 of them happier. Otherwise they're going to be looking to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into freshman stuff. And again, I haven't right. gotten to them in depth. So those, those are the other people you're not sure where they'll the slot in. I, again, just made the assumption that they probably won't be starting our, are playing a whole lot of minutes coming in as freshmen, especially into Big Ten play, especially when you have really, if you look at it, a pretty seasoned roster yes. with, you know, or even um, using Chloe Moore with Neil and Counter Brown, those seven, they've all been, been tested. You got, you know, Alyssa Geary played four years at Providence. Sarah has played three years at Minnesota and um, Cindy Parrish played two years at Oregon. And um, then we already know about our, our, our players coming back, her, pretty battle tested as well from last year. So I, you know, if you have seven season players like that, I think it's going to be hard for a freshman to come in and get a whole lot of minutes away from one of those, unless they're complete superstars. But yeah. And yeah. the other thing I think is, I don't think we'll see a traditional point guard with this group. No. I, I really believe, I truly believe you will see Grace Berger. I'm sorry. I said we didn't really last year either because we no. saw Allie in the ball. Nikki did most of it. Yeah, but Nikki was a traditional point guard. I mean, yeah. she may not have always handled it, but she was a traditional point guard in the terms of how the of that went. I think you will see Grace Berger handle the ball more probably than anybody as far as initiating offense this coming season. And I think that's a positive. I really do. I also think yep. you'll see a Sydney Parrish and a Sarah Scalia also kind of act as what well. we kind of that old i'm going to show my age here uh who people who used to watch the old milwaukee bucks with don nelson and paul pressy point forward i really think that's kind of what you'll see uh or even Kawhi leonard if you want to get to a more modern example of Kawhi leonard who may not be a point guard but at least when he's healthy initiates a lot of offense from the top and gets people gets it all set up so i think that's what you'll see i don't think you know for people who may be going well who's playing point shooting for, you know, shooting guard i don't think there's going to be a point guard with this group no i don't either i, I think it's going to be more point guard by committee to be honest if you will um good than point 
we've seen. We, we did see that a little bit last year, but to your point, yeah, Nikki was a true point guard and, can, and handled that most of the time, but we saw Allie doing it. We saw a Grace bringing the ball up as well um, and initiating the offense, and I think we'll see that probably a bit more exacerbated, so I think it'll be spread around quite a bit more from with the, the, uh, the three guards that you mentioned. Yeah, and, and I'll kind of take the lead here a little bit, Kathy, and I'll let you, you follow up with it. Uh, if we look at the Big Ten and kind of project out to at least the top part of the Big Ten next year, I think Iowa's obviously the number one yep. team. If, if this was a power ranking, and, and kudos to Ari. I want to shout out to Ari if you guys haven't been in the community at Assembly Call to look at his updated power rankings that he put out over the weekend. I think he redid them like four times based on the news that was coming out about transfers and stuff, not only for IU but other places. Get it, go in there and take a look at them. Um, but I will say Iowa's number one. I think everybody's cha- at least on paper, Iowa is the clear favorite to win the Big Ten title next year. But now with the news that we've seen over the last couple of weeks in the transfer portal, portal, both good and bad for teams, I think IU's right there. I'm going to put IU at number two and then Ohio State right there with them. They're two and three. And But I think both those teams, especially IU now, can contend for the Big Ten title, whereas before we knew those two kids were coming or those three kids were coming in. I felt like IU was really going to have to fight an uphill battle to be in the mix for the Big Ten title. But I think you have those three. Then kind of where you get into is that next two or three, Michigan lost a lot. Nas Hillman went to the WNBA a year early. They they had several seniors that they lost who were out of eligibility. Maryland, and we're going to maybe talk about Maryland a little bit some this summer when we talk about maybe the Big Ten a little bit more in depth. But Maryland has lost some key star players out of there to the transfer portal. Now, Brenda Freeze usually has a pretty darn good recruiting class. So I'm going to put them at four. I'm going to put Michigan at five. But Nebraska might be the team to keep an eye on. They might be the team that could jump into that top four because they they have a lot of kids coming back on a team that beat us in Lincoln and and beat some other teams in Lincoln last year. So those are my top five or six in the Big Ten as I see it right now. And and the transfer portal is not done. You know, there's still some people, the teams that can pick up some and you could lose some. But that's where I have it right now. Iowa, ah, Iowa, (laughs) IU. Stupid headphones. I, Iowa, I, Iowa, I, yeah, Iowa, IU, Ohio State, um, um, Maryland, Michigan, and Nebraska for me. Yeah, I have the same teams, maybe in just slightly different order. Um, again, I think you're a little more in depth of who Maryland has coming in. They just lost a lot of firepower into the transfer portal, though, and that even with a good recruiting class coming in, I, I just I feel like uh, that's going to be really hard for them to replace, right? Because they lost um, Angel Reese and um, her alone would have been enough. (laughs) Um, But gosh, then they lose two other players on top of that. And I don't know how you replace that incoming freshman unless they find somebody in the transfer portal. And again, I haven't heard that Maryland's pick anybody up. Again, we'll, I think that's part of maybe some of our off-season stuff. We'll dive into each of the, probably not all 14 teams, but at least the top six, like you right. mentioned. Um, so I might put Nebraska for me a little higher, just because, again, you have a lot of players coming back. I, I, I'm a big fan, especially in the women's basketball arena, where you have this continua- continuation of players, the seniority that seems to, to really bode well with women's basketball. And having that cohesiveness, I think, is going to go a long way. Um, for them, Michigan, it, it, they're they're hard to know either because I know they have some good freshmen coming in, but losing Nas Hillman is going to be tough to replace as well. So, I, you know, I, again, I don't know what kind of 
transfers if they might have picked somebody up like we have but um i definitely think that these three ladies that we just picked up in the transfer portal probably took us from i don't know what fifth or sixth in the big 10 easily up there and knocking on the door of seconds in the big 10 in terms of power ranking and with the possibility that we can really maybe even give Iowa a run for their money next year. Um, I, I like our, our, our um, I really like Sarah. So I just, I, do too. I love, I love that pickup in particular. And um, we just have now a shooter, like maybe to the, to the turn, to, tune of Caitlin Clark. And, and now with more firepower around her than she had in Minnesota, I'm, I'll be really excited to see what she can do for us. I am too. So you're listening to the Doing the Work IU podcast. You can find us at our website, assemblycall.com. Also, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter, over 9,000. We're closing in on almost 10,000. We're probably already there. We haven't updated the numbers for a while. But roughly 10,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. Join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. I'm Jeff Marlowe here with my co-host, Kathy Amos, and we're discussing the recent news surrounding the Indiana women's basketball team. And remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And we're going to head to last call here, and I'm going to throw it to Kathy first. And Kathy, uh, last call to you first, but I'll, and I'll kind of let you take it from there. Yeah, um, I think for our last call, maybe, Jeff, we should talk about the WNBA draft real quick. I didn't um, want to totally say that, but I still was hoping you would go to. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like that's our other big news that we should hit on. So, yeah, real quick again, for those of you um, listening live or later on, for the, if you haven't heard the news, um, Allie Pepper got picked up and drafted by the Indiana Fever. She went in the third round. Um, and then on top of that, Alexa Goulbay just signed today an actual um, contract to go play um, for Connecticut in terms of their um, spring ball that our uh, summer league that they have to, yeah. to try to get picked up by them. So um, two really just exciting things to hear about for our, our women coming out. So yeah, so she has a training camp. I think it's called a yeah. training camp contract, right? Yes. In the women's side. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll confess, Jeff, I don't know much about WNBA. I don't watch regular, the men's NBA. I don't watch the WNBA. So, um, but what I do watch is where our Hoosiers are going and I'm just so excited that you know they wanted to continue their basketball career in one fashion or another and I love the fact that Alexa I know she had mentioned she wanted to go back to Europe but this gives her an opportunity to get into the WNBA and this is great so I'm I well deserved by both of them and I'm very excited especially with Allie getting to stay home so how exciting for her parents too yeah and that's what I was just going to point out as you were mentioning if Allie can stick with the team uh, she'll never have left Indiana at this point to play for her, for wherever her home base is. She grew up in Columbus, went to North. She went to Notre Dame, went to IU now being drafted by the fever. I will say I was a little surprised that Allie got drafted in the third. And, and for those who don't know, the WNBA only has three rounds. There's only 12 teams. So, you you know, so it's not like there's a hundred, 120 right. picks like you might see and in no an NFL team, draft. Right. What? There's no G League. And there's no G League at this point. Most of them actually end up over in Europe playing during this during the winter. Uh, For example, if you've been following the Brittany Brittany Griner, uh, um, what word should I use here? Uh, Episode. uh, Brittany was playing in Russia when the war broke out over there. And of course, they've they've detained her, claiming that she had hash. But that's not uncommon for our even our WNBA 
biggest stars to be over in Europe playing in the winter. Um, I, so, yeah, I thought great for Lex because I wasn't, you know, for her, I was like you. I think she was I thought she was pretty much like I'm going home. I'm going to go back to Europe and play. Um, but obviously she'll have a chance here. She can stick and and then still also go back and play. So um, but I think what's important is that by getting drafted by Allie and Lex getting a tryout, it gets those WNBA individuals thinking about I use basketball program. Right. And like for and where I'll go with this is next year, Grace is out of eligibility. And and having talked with Grace a little bit on the on the podcast, she wants to play at the next level. I don't think anybody is like, wow, I didn't know that. But, you know, so I think it puts them and I think people have been noticing her. There was a tweet right before the NCAA tournament or maybe during the Big Ten tournament that uh, Skylar Diggins had out about Grace, about basically that, you know, Grace Berger is on fire or something like that. So players in the WNBA are noticing so you know some of the execs are and then mac has had that decision to make that we mentioned earlier she could yeah. go to the WNBA next year after next season or come back for another year right. and i think we also i will take this moment to explain in the WNBA rules it's hard to leave early you can leave after your junior year but you also have to be on track to graduate by the end of your junior year under the WNBA rules now there's been some talk about changing that because I, and I hate to call it the Caitlin Clark effect, but it's kind of what it's gotten. It, it really pushed it and page records to a certain degree as well. Page records can't go to the WNBA yet from UConn because she doesn't meet the age requirements yet. So don't be surprised if in the next collective bargaining contract, and I don't know when exactly that'll be, but that they do something a little bit different to try and get maybe a, a sophomore class as an eligible class to 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 draft but i'm really excited about the future because again and you got to think that sarah scalia may have some hopes to play in the yeah yeah absolutely um so i think for ali if i remember the tweet i saw she was only one of four players that get drafted for us so um uh so that that was nice to see and again you know having two of them really being mentioned now and and having a shot to play in the WNBA also bodes well i would hope for recruiting as well yeah, and, and definitely, you know, because you can point to that. This is a kid, if you want to play at the next level, we've had kids get drafted. Yep, absolutely. So, anything you want to add in here, Kathy? No, just overall, um, to wrap up my my final thoughts, I guess. Um, yep. I, I'm just so excited for what we're, we're seeing going on with our program right now. There's just so much positive momentum. You know, we, we had a lot of positive momentum to end the year. I know the this tournament ended earlier for the women than they wanted it to be, but I still thought that they had a great season last year, ended on a high note, and boy, they're just continuing it right along. And then you see the tweets coming out from Grace and from McKenzie and um, from Ariel Wisney and supporting the, the women that are leaving and supporting and embracing immediately the women coming in i'm just really high on this team and this program and yep. i love what what coach morin is doing and i'm excited to continue to delve deeper into it throughout the off season and then get ready again here before we know it unfortunately uh, for cold weather to hit us again um <laughs> but cold weather also brings basketball so that that is that is all good news and i just think um things are going in such a positive manner for this team right now i'm super happy for all of them well, and, and I, I think you you really are. I, I want to agree 100 percent with you. I just this team, there was I think at the end of the season, when the season ended against UConn, I think we all kind of had some questions about where are we are. Are we going to go? Are we going to be able to maintain what we've done the last couple of years? 
or would we drop a little bit? Well, Terry Moore has answered that question by going out and getting these three transfers. I really, I'm, I know we're going to talk about them later in the episodes. Is I think the freshman. I'm really, I, I really am intrigued by this Meister girl who's also coming in from Minnesota as a freshman. Um, the Bargesser girl from Michigan. Yep. I've seen a little bit more about just because I tend to get a little bit more Michigan news, high school news filtering down this way. But I believe she had a little bit of an injury middle of the season, end of the season. So she may be one that um, we may not see as much of next year. Hopefully she'll be healthy and that won't be an issue. Uh, and speaking of health, uh, I know Kathy, I, I hopefully I'm not, I hate to say yeah. I'm speaking for you, but we both want to wish our friend, Brian Tonsoni, coach Tonsoni, who had a health scare here recently back home doing better, but we want to wish coach the best, of, you know, best of health, get well soon, coach Tonsoni over. And so if those of you, especially in the assembly call community or who've been following along on AC radio, know who coach is. Yep, I, I was going to say the same thing. Um, so big hearts, uh, thoughts going out to coach and uh, know that we're all pulling for you and thinking of you and um, wishing you a speedy recovery. So absolutely. Yeah. And so we appreciate all the workaholics who are here tonight. Just awesome to see. We have uh, had over 30 people in the live uh, watching tonight online and, yeah. and, and what you know, has been consistently over 30. Man, we're so excited that you guys could join us on an off season yeah. live podcast. And, and and spread the word to your friends. Uh, uh, right now, we're not we're kind of moving around schedule stuff. We kind of scheduled this one. We had some people like, oh, we need an emergency podcast. I'm like, sorry. Well, Kathy and I both had some real life commitments <laughs> that that we had to take care of on Saturday and Sunday before we could get this one up. But uh, we're really excited about doing this. I appreciate having all of you here, and uh, want to pre uh, thank our sponsors and everything. So, Kathy, I'll give you one last chance for any last thoughts or anything if you want to say anything. No, um, I think overall, just yeah, I'll second that. Yeah, I know we got up to at least around 40 people live watching at one point tonight in an yeah. off season show that I think that matches some of our post game live shows as well. So thanks everyone listening. Thanks to everybody supporting us, especially Ari. He's been very helpful in helping us research all of the players and the keeping us up to date on who's coming and who's going within the Big Ten and, and really appreciate everything Ari does. He also is behind the scenes helping to produce the show and getting it published out to all the podcast feeds and stuff. So huge thanks to Ari. Um, and thanks, of course, to Jeff. I know, yeah, we kind of were up and down with our schedule and trying to figure it out. We're going to try to shoot for doing some shows um, on a little more regular basis here as the, the summer continues. Um, so, Jeff, I think we're maybe tentatively trying to shoot for one next Wednesday, um, still double checking with content and with schedules and stuff. But with that, um, want to make sure that this is something that folks want to continue to listen to and that we're serving the purposes. So tonight we covered the transfers. We do have other thoughts for content, but if you have ideas for content that you really want to hear questions, you just want to ask us post it in the community, shoot us a, a, a DM on Twitter, however you can get a hold of us. We're happy to, to dig in and try to answer questions as well. Yes, so sir. overall, just a great thank you. And this was a fun show to do. Yeah, it was. It was fun to kind of talk recruiting. Some we had, you know, we we kind of started with just the post game shows. We didn't have any practice. We just started with post game shows and, and got on the hit the ground run. So it's kind of fun to actually do some non game content and to have three recruits like this to talk about was just a fun night and and just want to thank everybody for who was participating in the chat as well that'll do it for us tonight if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat make sure that you subscribe to our youtube channel youtube.com slash assembly call and and special thanks to john ringer of rig design for designing our logo and thank you for listening and watching we'll be back to talk iu hoops again with you soon 
For my co-host, Kathy Amos, I'm Jeff Morrow. Until we see you, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Yay. Uh, yay. Nice wow. job, Kathy. Yeah. You know what? That was only our second non-game po um, podcast, so that, <laughs> that really went. Yep, Tony, we'll keep the rants to a minimum. I think we'd be pretty good at that. So luckily, we don't have much to rant about, so um, that's pretty easy for us to do. So, yeah. So, well, thanks a lot, Jeff. And thanks again yeah. for everyone that's listening live. Um, I think my husband was poking his head in here every once in a while in the chat too. So. I saw him. Yeah. I saw him at least once. Hey, sorry to hear about the tornado. I was watching the weather a little yeah. bit this morning. It sounds like we're kind of going to get that activity tomorrow. And, and, and so over here, there's a real, uh, what do they call it now? Enhanced chance of, yeah. of tornadoes and severe storm activity. I, but I saw like west of you guys, they're talking yeah. like out in the plains, snow and big time snow. So, yeah, you know. I they did have snow in the forecast for us for Sunday on Easter, but I think they took it and changed it to just rain right now. But yeah, we got up to 80 degrees today. Um, and then in <laughs> northwest Iowa, in south part of Iowa, they get up to 90, and then in northwest Iowa, um, they wouldn't before I shot the TV and joined you, there is an area and in one county, they had three tornadoes spotted already. Wow. Tonight. So um, it's just, you know, crazy spring weather as usual. Yeah. Well, it, if it gets up to 70, 80 degrees in Iowa or Indiana in April, it's probably going to be generally right. followed by some heavy rain, you know, thunderstorm activity. Lots so hail. Lots of hail. So yeah. And then of course it's supposed to drop down. So seven, yeah, it's 79 right now, according to my computer. And then I think tomorrow we're, I'm not even sure we're supposed to get into the fifties tomorrow. So I think on Sunday here, it's supposed to be like 40. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, geez, OP. I want some, I mean, I know it's spring, but I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of the cold. I want to see a little more consistently warmer weather. I don't want 95. I'm not, I'm not saying no, I want that, no. but I, I like some, some nice consistent yeah. warm weather. So, Hey, yeah. I appreciate it. Hey, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. And when we, after we yep. kind of end the broadcast here, stick around. I want to oh, okay. see, run something by you real quick. Yep, sounds All right. good. All right, hey, everybody. Thank you. Night. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.